these verses really, really stood out to me. And so I just wanted to share them with you this morning. So let's stand as we hear God's word. And let me first say that I am receiving these words with all of you. We as pastors, right? Pastor Daniel says, amen. We need to be stirred by the word of God, just like anybody else. So receive these words today, church. Psalm 135, 1 through 3 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for it is pleasant. It is pleasant indeed, church. Verse 15 says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. And those and those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. How sober in church. May we not have any idols or anything between our hearts and the Lord this morning, but may we trust in him. May he give us eyes to see him and ears to hear his precious word. Amen, church. And may we use the breath in our mouths to declare that he is good, to give him all the praise and all the honor, church. So let's join our hearts together in this beautiful house which we have today, and let's give him all the praise, and let's give him all the honor, for he is worthy, church. Amen? Our open door. 
Give it all to you. We 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 give
before we head to the second song, church, or as we're heading into it, you may notice that the songs that we're singing this morning have a very heavy emphasis, heavy emphasis on blessing. We went from blessing His name, a direct focus on us blessing the Lord, to the blessing, which I feel like probably everyone on earth knows by this point. And it would be very easy for us to turn and say, well, we've blessed God, and now we're receiving the blessing from Him. And He does bless us because He's God and He's that good. But that's not what I want our focus on to be this morning. It's not even to be singing the blessing over each other or over Christians or the church as a whole, although that is part of it as well. But God put a very heavy burden on my heart this week that there are people that should be included in this blessing on our earth that do not get to receive the fullness of it because they don't think that God has blessed them. They don't think that God is for them. When they picture God, they're not looking, they're not imagining someone looking at their face shining upon them. They picture someone who doesn't love them, or someone who doesn't understand them, or doesn't want them. Maybe they don't want him either. But I keep seeing God as a father this week. God wanting his family together to bless them. That's what fathers did in the Old Testament, right? We saw with Isaac and Jacob and Esau, and probably 10,000 other fathers you could name. There are people in our world who need to know that God wants to bless them. Not the way that we want to say with cars and money and jobs and all those things, sure. Bless them with his love. Bless them with who he is. Yeah. Bless them with the father that they think that they can't have, that they didn't have. Bless them with the family that they never got to have. Bless them with a house and a home and a belonging, a purpose and a calling and a joy and a love and a peace that they think they can't have. They are looking everywhere else on this earth for. Those are the people I want to sing for today. So as we're worshiping, yes, receive this for yourself and your family and your circumstances. Yes, believe this over everyone in this room and for the church around the world. But more so than anyone else, picture those people in your minds. The people that you think would never accept the love of God. The people that think he would never love them. Keep them at the forefront of your mind and of your spirit today. And let's sing on their behalf when they don't know how to sing yet. The Lord bless you.
Come on, to the thousand generations for those who love him. There's an outpouring of God's love. We rest in the favor of our king. Not because we're good, because he is. It's not about convincing him that he should have favor on us. It's about stirring up our soul to get into the agreement with the favor that already rests from him on us. The word of God says that my God works all things together for the good. Oh, it may not feel good sometimes. It may not look good in the moment, but my God is stirring things. The disciples were were in the midst of a storm out on the water, rowing like crazy. They thought they were going to die, but if they weren't in that situation, they never would have seen the king walking on the water. 20,000 people were hungry. Tummies rumbling, not enough to buy bread. But they had to be in that situation so that the goodness of the Lord could be seen when he took five loaves and two fish and fed thousands. Lazarus had to die. It didn't look good, but God was working out the good. And when he said, Lazarus, come forth, even the dead bones had to listen. 
Oh, I don't know what your dead bone moment is, but my God is still speaking. My Jesus still has authority. So we're speaking to those dead bones today in the name of Jesus. We're speaking to those rumbling stomachs. We're speaking to those, uh, the, those blistered hands from rowing in the midst of the storm. And we say, be still. We say, come forth. We say, let Jesus reign. Let Jesus reign. For what is birthed in us is passed down thousand generations by the goodness of our God. Daddy, today... We stand, whether we're married, whether we have kids in the natural or just in the spiritual, whether we're just here yet, where we're standing right now, we are praying for the generations that we're in and the generations that are coming, the generations that will follow us. We're speaking to those things now as if they already are, because that's what faith does. We call them to be blessed. We call them to have favor. We call them to have a passion for you that burns deep within their soul. We call upon them a courage to stand, a faith to rise up, a covering of the Holy Ghost like never before. We trust you and we praise you. Come on, church, do you believe what you just sang? Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives today in this church today in our nation and our world today as it is in heaven and together in faith this community of faith said amen and amen hallelujah bless you jesus thank you for signs and wonders and miracles today lord sickness is gone disease is gone depression is gone in the name of jesus thank you jesus you give us all we need in you Woo! There's something about blessing the Lord. I love when the Word of God says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Sometimes we got to tell our soul, Get up and bless God. I'm tired. Get up and bless God. I know, but I don't have anything to bless Him for. Are you awake this morning? Bless God. I love that that criteria for blessing is this Are you breathing? Not like, hey, does your bank account roll? It's what in your pocket folds and doesn't jiggle, right? Come on, here's the criteria for blessing God. Are you breathing? Let's bless him. 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 Take a moment to bless God. Just bless him for something he blessed you with. Just bless him for being the king. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I just want to thank you guys for being here this morning. Thank you for getting up, for leaning into Jesus this morning. Pastor Irene, thank you for really setting the table this morning. Team, thank you for helping lead us there. They don't sing on our behalf. They lead us in. They, they're pulling us. They're, they're saying, come on, join us. We're rocking with Jesus. We're in his presence. I don't know about you, but there's something stirring already this morning. And I believe there's been something stirring in you this week. There's been something stirring in me this week. It's not about a revival in a place. It's about revival inside a person. Because our God is a God that stirs things. So I hope he's stirring you this morning. And look, if this is your first or second time here, we want to thank you for coming and being a part of our Connect family this morning. And 
We're so glad that you've come. Come on out. Okay, would you just prayerfully consider making this a community of faith that you can grow in? Just get plugged in. Just get to know somebody. It's really worth the journey. I want to give a shout out to everybody who's online today too. We love you all. We know many of you are traveling, you're around. Some of you are sick. We love you. We're praying for God to bless you where you are as well. Let us know. Give us a wave. Say hi. All right. Hey, kiddos, as you guys are following Pastor Kevin and Lisa out, can you guys, come on, can you guys give our kiddos a hand as they're going? Hey, as they're going out, turn to somebody, say hi, give them a high five, an air high five, and a, a, a fist pump, an elbow, whatever you feel comfortable with. I said to Danielle, she's over there going, I forgot my job. I said to Danielle this morning, hey, I'm going to, I have to come in a couple minutes uh, late this morning um, in the service, so uh, if I go up there, I won't be able to have all my stuff up there. Can you just give it to me when, I, uh, when, when everybody sits down? And uh, she's like, I forgot my job. It's all right. I forget my job all the time. I'll give you a mulligan because you give me about 30 mulligans in life. Come on, any husband have a wife that gives you mulligans? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Before we hop in the word, I want to um, encourage you with something. I'm going to invite you to be a part of something with me. This, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, this is Lent. We started Lent last week. and uh, For some of us who didn't grow up, maybe in a liturgical sense, Lent is the 40 days minus Sundays leading up to Easter. And we're 35 days out. Anybody, does that freak anyone else out? That's crazy. But in Lent, it's, it's a time of fasting and praying and believing and getting our hearts ready for, for Easter, for what Jesus did. And my heart has been stirred and always has been, but even more recently stirred deeply to pray for the persecuted church around the world. That over this Lent season, to really be in battle... I mean, I'm saying stand in the gap for men and women of God that are going through it around the world. Well, there are literally thousands of people on this planet today that are under vast persecution. There are hundreds of men and women, brothers and sisters of yours that are actually in jail for no offense other than being a man or woman of God. And I know it's easy for us, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, I think it's hard for us maybe to imagine that being in the system that we are in and, and, and being so European-centric, the, the thought process that that actually, we know it does go on, but it's so foreign for us. But it's only foreign for us because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be. If our heart is actually in with our brothers and sisters, if we begin to treasure that, our heart will be pulled and see a bigger picture. And I've been, uh, I've been, doing something for the last little while that I'm going to invite you to do, not only every day, maybe take some time to pray for your brothers and sisters around the world who are going through it in Syria and, and, and Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran and, and Nigeria and Sudan and Haiti, and the list goes on and on and on. But uh, I was encouraged over the last little bit to, to pray with other, a group of people that's 838, and they just, at 838 group, they just pray for people who are, who are persecuted in the church around the world. And the reason that it's at 838, you set your alarm, I set my alarm for 838 
uh, either in the morning or at night. And when that alarm goes off, I just take a few moments and start to pray. And start to stand in the gap for other people. Because we can make a difference when we pray. We can make a difference when we pray. And that ver- it comes from that verse in Romans 8.38 that says, neither, uh, ne- neither life nor death nor principality nor power nor anything present in this age or things to come can ever, nothing can separate me. Not persecution, not beatings, not prison, not j- nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. I love that. And I've been encouraged. I've been reading so many books lately about men and women, our brothers and sisters who have stood in the gap for the church and for Jesus over this last century. I'm not talking about 1,800 years ago. I'm saying 18 years ago or eight years ago or eight days ago. Historians tell us that there have been more people martyred for the cause of Christ in the last 100 years than all the other centuries combined. Of course it is. We are heading for the great collision at the end of time. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me over the next 35 days. If you will, take this journey with me. Brother Andrew, if you guys can throw up that slide. Brother Andrew was a man who, uh, who took Bibles and preached and resourced churches behind the Iron Curtain for years. In and out of prison. He said, our prayers can go where we cannot. There are no borders, no prison walls, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. That's just the invitation. 35 days. Let's pray. Let's see what God can do for them and in us. Amen? Awesome. Well, you guys ready for the word? Uh, Since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. It's written by Moses. It's about the journey of the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt Uh, and towards the promised land, right? It's our story. It's our story as we go out of oppression to sin and towards the abundant life uh, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that they struggled with that we often find ourselves struggling with as well as modern-day disciples is learning how to listen to God. Is anyone listening to God, right? So if you need a title for my message today is, Are You Listening to Me? Are You Listening to Me? I know probably no one else in here has this issue. Come on, men. But uh, there have been a few times in my life or this week that Danielle has had to say to me, are you listening to me? I know you're hearing me, but are you listening to me? Come on, that's a great question. Come on, ladies, can I get an amen? Are you listening to me? Come on, now, anyone who's ever been in a relationship knows there's a difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. Hearing means I know she's saying something, and I'm counting on my seven-second recall to bring it back to me when she starts asking for specifics, because I know she will. But listening, (laughs) you're laughing way too hard right now. But listening is giving her my full attention so that I can not only receive the message, but so that I can understand her heart in it as well. It's not just the message. It's the heartbeat of it. 
And I think the truth is it's so easy to struggle with this when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, isn't it? We've been talking over the last couple weeks about hearing from the voice of our king, responding to his invitation to come to the table. But that begs the question, how do we hear from God? Like, is it even really possible? How do I know? Maybe the deeper question is, are we really listening? Because the reality is sometimes in the midst of the chaos of this world and the noise of our lives, it is difficult to figure out what we're actually hearing. Is it God or not? I struggle with this 35 years into it. Was that God or not? And the reality is I think this is a struggle for many of us, especially in America, simply from the volume of noise that we have. The volume of noise, the volume of opinions that constantly fly our way that we have to try to navigate through every day. I think sometimes it's hard to figure out if we're listening to God or not. Let me just give you three statistics that are crazy. There are 99,000 Google searches every second of the day. There are 650 million tweets per day. There are 333 billion emails sent out every day. That is a lot of noise. That's a lot of chaos. That's a lot of opinions, especially when Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep will listen to my voice. I will know them and they'll follow me. So how can we listen to the, king, the voice of the king in the midst of so much chaos? I think in this text, Moses is going to help us to see how we can hear from God in the midst of our journey. He's leading a few million people through the wilderness, which means he has more than a few million opinions that he has to navigate through. He, he often is uh, uh, challenged with feeding them and providing for them. He's faced with attacks from the enemy at every corner. There's always a, a, a worry about the future, what's going to happen. But this is what I know. He constantly puts himself in a position to listen to God. And in so doing, he brings life and health, not only to others, but also to himself. And more importantly, he grows in intimacy with his king. My friends, that's the invitation this morning. The invitation is this, through all the opinions you've got to navigate through, through all the stuff that you hear, through all the chaos and the uncertainty of provision and not provision, the uncertainty of your future, this economy and that economy, are we able to actually stop for a moment and listen to God so that we can not only grow in health and wholeness, bring that to our kiddos and our marriages, our coworkers, our marketplace, our community, but actually to grow in intimacy ourselves with him. Not just to do things for him, but to grow in relationship with him. That's the invitation. Are you listening to me? I know you're hearing me, but are you listening? I wonder what our spirit would say if we stopped right now and asked that question. The Bible tells us in Exodus 33, verse 9, that when Moses entered the tent of meeting, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. You should underline that. 
And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his own tent door. Thus the Lord used to, this is one of my favorite verses, for years since I got saved, this is one of my favorite verses. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, Joshua, the son of young, Nun, a young man, would not depart the tent. I love it. I want to just really encourage you, if you're, if you're in Forge, we're going to talk about this, this this week, part of this verse. If you're not in Forge, I would get in Forge, especially for the next couple of weeks, because we're going to unpack this just a little bit and see the beauty of Jesus. Because this moment, just even before we go any further, this moment is actually a theophany. A theophany is a fancy word of saying this is an example of Jesus showing up before his incarnation. Before he's born in the world, he actually showed up. It was Jesus standing in the tent with Moses, speaking to him face to face. There's reasons for that. I can't get into it right now. But that's actually what the majority of us believe. And even if you don't believe that, can you hear the desire of God in this? The desire, the beautiful truth that we see in this verse is that God actually wants to talk with us. Not to have a laundry list of Do's and don'ts and backs and forths. And here's my honeydew list for you to do today, bro. I just want to sit down so I can give you your honeydew list. This is God wanting to have a conversation, a relationship. The word says he comes down and stands with us. That Hebrew word for stand means to stand firm, to be unmovable. He's not going anywhere, my friends, no matter what. That should inspire us. That means that we don't have to convince him to stay. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to plead with him. Oh, God, I'll do this. And oh, God, I'll do that. We don't have to be worried that he, we're going to scare him off by our lack of knowing how to pray, the right words to say, the life that we live, the sin that we just came out of. He ain't going to go anywhere. He is standing firm. God is unmovable when he comes to our relationship with us. That's what Jesus did. Jesus stood up and stands firm so that you and I I can have a relationship with God. That's what he did. That's what John 1.14 tells us. That the word became flesh and dwelt with us. He tabernacled with us. He became the space for us to actually meet with God. What the Old Testament made available to only one man, Jesus makes available to all of us. And it's not just our ability to talk with God. Right? Because I think most of us are probably okay with the thought that we could talk to God. We may not really know how to do it, but I think we're okay that I know we can talk to God. That probably doesn't wig us out. I think the thing that sh stretches us is that the word says that the Lord would speak to Moses. And this is where it gets muddy for us. Because most of us still have an Old Testament view of God while trying to live in a New Testament relationship with God. Let me say that again, because this is where our struggle is. Many of us in this room and on this online today, we still have an Old Testament view of God while we're still trying to figure out how to live out this New Testament life with God. The issue is, I think for many of us, like those in the Old Testament, when it comes to listening to God or God speaking to us, we either think we can't handle it, or we don't know how to receive it correctly, or we really don't know a way to achieve that to happen in our lives. So we become content with someone else listening to God and bringing us the word. We're happy 
that pastor prayed and got the word for us this week. We're happy that someone else got the word. But we're not alone in this. The problem is that's Old Testament living. Because Old Testament living came from that place. That's what's still inside of us when we connect with an Old Testament God. Is an Old Testament life. Because in Exodus chapter 20, that is the uh, a, a community that, that Moses was growing up in. In verse 19, the Bible says this. They go to Moses and they say, you speak to God and we'll listen to you. Don't make us listen to God lest we die. Hey, thanks, bro. They were willing to risk Moses' life, Moses' marriage, Moses' family. Oh, they were willing to risk their forge group leader's marriage, that pastor's family, that leader's relationship. Oh, how many of us are here? But not themselves. And I think, my friends, if we're not careful, the reason I'm bringing this to us today is there's no condemnation. It's just revelation for a moment because we are standing in the trap of modern Christianity in America with our wealth of gifted preachers. And we have so many gifted preachers. Thank God we have gifted preachers. We've got amazing men and women who can actually spin the word so powerfully and beautifully. We have podcasts all over that are available. We've got churches on every corner. But because of that, it has become easy for believers to become content with someone else bringing them the word. With someone else bringing Because after all, come on, like, there's just so much going on. How many of us have said, I don't have time for this? Who's got time for all this? But my friends, you and I, our generation, and we're in danger. We're in danger of becoming a generation like the generation in Jeremiah 22, 21, where God says this, I spoke to you in your prosperity. Come on, American. Come on, American church. We are in one of the most prosperous countries in the history of the world. Oh, we're in a recession. I know things are tight. Eggs are $938. I understand. No, 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 no. I spoke to you in your prosperity, and you said, I will not listen. That's nothing new to me, because you've been doing it since your youth, that you have not obeyed my voice. Oh, God, come on, our prayer should be, God, don't let us, don't let us, don't let us become that generation, God. Don't let us, let us not become so settled in our prosperity and our possessions and our pride that we call ourselves children of God but refuse to listen to the voice of God. Are you listening to me? The truth is, my friends, that believers might become content with someone else bringing the word, but disciples seek to engage with the one who speaks the word. You're right, there's differences between church people and disciples, believers and disciples. We've been talking about it. Believers may be content with someone else just giving them the word, but disciples seek to engage with the one who speaks the word. Because the goal of the conversation is not information, it's intimacy. The goal of any conversation, even with my wife, even when she shares whatever she's sharing that I'm in somewhere else, where I let my mind sleep, it is, it's actually a break in intimacy, not information. The issue is, what we get when we build the believer's life is a legalistic foundation with a disconnected emotion. It's what we see. 
as we see Israel grow up from Moses to Jesus, as they head towards Phariseeism, they live this legal, they build this legalistic foundation, but they're void of any real deep connection with God. Let me put it in different words. When we build this kind of life, we will end up with a doer's mentality and a wanderer's heart. I'll do for God, I'll do for God, I'll do, I know, but our heart is quick to wander. And it's easy to have a wanderer's heart when the word in our lives is all based off of hearsay. Dean and I have been watching a lot of court TV this week because we've been following the Alex Murdoch case. And if you don't know what that is, it's crazy. I don't have time to explain. It's nuts. But throughout this case, you continue to hear the lawyers say, I object on the grounds of hearsay. Hearsay. And what they're saying is this. It's not that it might not be true. But the person is not certain it's true because they didn't hear it for themselves. My friends, we're in danger of, uh, this is what we're in danger of, of falling into, of sinking into in American Christianity. This hearsay following of God because we actually didn't hear it for ourselves. So we tend to be okay with hearsay about God's word because it takes the pressure off of us to get it right, right? Well, I was taught this. I heard this. I heard someone say this. Pastor said this. I heard a podcast about that, right? Until the temperature in our wilderness journey heats up and our wandering heart begins to challenge its authenticity and authority because after all, we didn't hear that for ourselves. And it gives our soul room to object. Our soul is looking for room to, that's hearsay. When you are, when you, when the word begins to challenge you, when the word begins to come at you where, and, 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 and deal with issues that have been in our lives for so long, your soul is going to say, I object on hearsay. I know I heard someone say that. I mean, I know that's what they think, but that's not what God said to me. I know it's not what God said to us. Probably isn't because it's not true. It's because we are not listening we find this this is in us it was in Mo, it was in Moses's community in numbers chapter 16 Korah and 250 of his community leaders come to Moses and in verse 3 this is crazy verse 3 they come to him and said who made you boss we're all holy we all should have say in this who made you boss now the easy answer is God did Right? That's true. God did. But I'm not letting them off the hook. The real answer is they did when they didn't want to listen for themselves. They say to Moses, I don't want to listen. You listen. Then he listens, brings the word, and they go, we don't like this word. We should have a say in it. I read that. I was like, I'm fairly sure this is church. Now, I'm going to be a little honest about my life right now, so I need some compassion. Dee and I are at the age where we use subtitles a lot. Come on, somebody. No shame in that. Thank you. Especially kind of when we're listening to one of those British crime dramas that she likes or anything with Gordon Ramsay that I like. You need subtitles? Right? I don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But the problem with subtitles, right? is that a lot of times you, you, you're like, well, what did they just say? 
Because you're trying to listen, you're trying to read, and she's at a place where she's listening more, and I'm at a place where I'm reading more. And, and, and we'll start to say, but I don't, did they say that? Did they say that? I'm not sure what they said. Do you know how we have to deal with the argument or the discussion we're having about what was said? We have to go back to what was written. We literally have to rewind and go back to the text and say, what was written? Some of us need to develop a subtitle spirituality. And go back to what was written. It all starts with the word. Moses' interaction with God and others started with the word that proceeded from God's mouth in that tent. Isn't this what Jesus taught us? The same thing. Jesus is going through the temptation in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4. And temptation is just like we do every day. And he says this. Man does not live by bread alone. Life does not come by bread. Life comes from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you and I are not experiencing life in certain areas, it might be because we have not heard from the mouth of God in that area in a while. The picture that's here is the baby eaglets, right? With the mama eagle who goes out and catches the stuff and chews it up and then spits it in their mouth so they eat it. And I know you might be grossed out by that, but Romans 1 says that all creation reveals God. Life comes from his mouth. Everything starts with the word. Everything. Every, your relationship, your marriage, your financial decisions, your emotional responses, how we deal with one another, how we deal with church, how we deal with our broken relationships, everything John 1.1 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then everything came out of the Word. See, the Word of God are the guide rails that keeps the roller coaster from flying off into destruction. I don't know about you, I like roller coasters, I love them, but I'm not getting on a roller coaster that doesn't have guide rails. Like, I'm not getting in some beat up old, like, mine cart on the top of a mountain that they're just going to push me over on. Why? It may be the same 100-foot fall I get at Six Flags, but there aren't guardrails and I'm going to die. That's the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all of Scripture came out of his mouth. And it's good for teaching and correcting and rebuking ourselves even. And training ourselves up on how to live this righteous life in the New Testament way. It helps us to understand ourselves and our path from God's perspective, not our own. It helps us understand who he is, not because it's just about him, but because it is him. It's who he is. That's why David says in Psalm 1830, as for God, his way is perfect. His word is flawless. It is a shield about me. When we read the word, we're not only hearing his voice, we're hearing his heartbeat. Because when we don't read the word from a place of wanting to hear from him, we will have a legalistic foundation and an emotional disconnection. We'll be doers with a wanderer's heart. He speaks to his word. But he also speaks to us, in our, to, uh, speaks to our hearts and to our conscience through the Holy Spirit, through that still small voice that's inside of us. There's a still small voice. There's the word and the spirit. Isn't this what Jesus says in John 4? That my worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. There's a spirit and truth. The word and the spirit activating together, helping us live this thing out. 
We see this in 1 Kings 19. Many of you may be familiar with the story. Elijah, the great prophet, had just won a mighty battle on Mount Carmel. Yeah, the fire of God showed up and blew off the top of the mountain. And all the priests of Baal were killed. And Elijah has this great victory. And the next moment, he is in utter depression. Because how many of you know many times, our greatest victories and our deepest valleys are very close together. And what I love about this is that he runs into this cave and he's like, God, just kill me. I, I don't want to live anymore. This is just horrible. My life is brutal. Has anyone ever had those thoughts like, this life stinks. I'm just tired of it. I don't want to be here. He is struggling with mental health. And I want to point that out. Because even the great, one of the greatest prophets known to man struggled with mental health issues. And in the midst of that mental health issue, God speaks. The Spirit moves. The Bible says that a great wind comes up, but God wasn't in the wind. A great earthquake shakes the place, but God wasn't in the earthquake. A fire shows up, but God wasn't in the fire, even though that's just how he showed up a moment before, because God's not looking to build our relationship on a formula, come on somebody, but on a moment of faith. Then the Bible says this, but after all that show was done, there was a still small voice it's the Holy Spirit it's the Holy Spirit that's why Jesus said in John 16 I'm going to give you my spirit and he'll, he'll convict you of your sin he'll guide you, he'll lead you into how to live this life out in righteousness I think the tricky thing about these moments is that that still small voice often sounds a lot like our own voice but the difference is, it's tugging on our emotions and our actions back to Him. Our voice usually tugs us back to our own desire. God's voice is tugging us back to His desire in our lives. Have we ever felt that tug in your heart? Have you felt, ever felt that tug in your conscience? Maybe when you were going to mess up? Maybe it's not even just in, in big things, and little things, right? In sins of commission, things that we are doing, we shouldn't be doing, there's a tug but also in sins of omission, things that we're not doing we should be doing. And the Spirit's tugging on us. Come on, you should forgive that person. Come on, take that moment. No, 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 no. Be bold. Share the gospel. Tell them about me. No, stop. I know you just walked by that person. Anybody ever have walk? You walk by? I know you walk by. Turn around. Just, just, just go say hi. I'll do the rest. That's the still small voice. That's listening. That's him. I know this because he continues to work with me every time I mess up. Because God speaks to me a lot in the grocery store. He speaks to me a lot in the shower, by the way. But he speaks to me a lot in the grocery store. It's usually probably the only time I'm quiet. right? But in the grocery store, this happens to me all the time. All the time I should learn. I don't. I'm trying. But I will walk by the eggs. And there will be a voice inside of me that says, you need to get eggs. And the other voice will say, no, I don't. Because I saw eggs in the refrigerator before I left. And the voice inside of me that sounds like Kyle also says, you need to get eggs. And the other voice of Kyle says, no, I shouldn't. Does anyone else have these kind of moments? And I saw them in the refrigerator. And then I get home. I'm trying to start to make something. I grab the eggs, and they are expired. Because I did not listen to the voice. See, God uses our language. Jesus spoke the language of the people. I don't know what you think God's voice sounds like, but it sounds like you. It's why sometimes it's so confusing, because it sounds like us, but the heartbeat is different. Now, the issue is this. 
When we start to question what we hear against what we want to hear, we will always second guess what we heard. I'm going to say that again because we need to get it inside of us. The issue is when we start to question what we hear against what we want to hear, we will always second guess what we heard. It's inside of all of us because it came from the fall of Eve. Do you remember in the beginning the, uh, 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 the, the devil comes and he says to Eve, did God really say? She knew what God said. But when we start to hear things from the place of our own logic, our own feelings, our own insecurity, our own pride, our own expectations, we will second guess what we actually heard from God. That's like that's why we need to learn how to stand like Samuel stood, stand like Jesus stood, stand like God stood at the tent of meeting, unmovable and firm. I love the story of Samuel. It's so encouraging to me. Because Samuel, 1 Samuel 3 says that three times God calls Samuel's name and he runs into Eli and says, yes, master. And Eli's like, I didn't call you. He ran into the voice he was used to responding to. When he heard God, his initial response was to run to the voice he was used to responding to. The fourth time, God says, calls his name and he stays put. And he says, here I am, Lord, speak to your servant, I'm listening. What I love about this is that God didn't stop speaking because he missed it three times. He kept speaking until Samuel learned how to discern the voices. God will keep telling you to buy the eggs and buy the eggs and buy the eggs until you learn how to discern the voices. And there's tons of ways that God does this. He reinforces what he's saying to us through all sorts of ways, through signs like that. When you get home and the eggs are bad, you know it was God. Right? Signs at times. Gideon threw down a fleece. Wet, dry, dry, wet, in the dryer, out of the dryer. You know, he figured it out. But by the way, Gideon's sign came after God spoke. A lot of times we're not listening to God. We want to read signs as if they are God instead of actually hearing God and allowing him to reinforce it by something else. He reinforces it in the community of faith through the prophetic proclamations. It's why the Holy Spirit gives gifts of prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom in people's lives to strengthen what God has already said to them. That's why I love when people come up to me after service at times and they're like, man... God, God had me in that text this week, or God had me in that text this morning, or man, God's been keeping me there in that thought for a while, because what it does, what's it doing? It's strengthening. It's helping us to discern that we're actually hearing from God, me and them. That is powerful. That's why the testimony of each other is important, because wow, we're hearing it, and very often it's reinforced through leadership, through your leaders. That's what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says. He gave the fivefold ministry to equip us and strengthen us so we can all come into unity and grow up in Christ. But no matter how it is reinforced, it should always be confirmation, not information. Signs, prophecy, and leadership should be confirmation, not information. 
Do you remember the, 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 uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus after Jesus is resurrected and he starts to unfold for them through the scriptures all that he is? And then he leaves and they say this, come on, wasn't our heart burning inside of us? When he was saying that, yep. Do you know why it was burning inside of them? Because he was bringing back to them something that they had already learned. He was reinforcing what they already heard and were forgetting, and yet he reinforced it, and the inside of them was burning alive. It should be confirmation in our hearts. And nothing should take us outside the boundaries of the word. I don't care if it's the most prophetic person you've ever met. I don't care if you have had 38 signs that you can do this. If it is outside the word of God, the answer is no. Why? Because his word is the tabernacle where Moses met and heard the voice of God. The word. Jesus. The tabernacle is Jesus. That verse, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt. That Hebrew word for dwell is tabernacle. We're going to keep talking about it in fourths this week. But what's it saying is that Jesus became the space in which listening is possible and intimacy is permissible. But I think the real challenge for us might not be hearing the voice of God. The issue for us might be listening to the voice of God. This is where Moses got in trouble. It's probably where I get in trouble most of the time. Probably maybe where you get in trouble. Not knowing what God is saying, but actually choosing to listen to it. We see it in Numbers chapter 20, Moses' greatest failure. God had said, go out, speak to the rock. He hears all these voices of frustration, all these opinions of all these other millions of people, and he lets it get to his soul, and instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes it twice. And God says to him, why did you not listen to me? Why did you not listen to me? And it's so easy to point fingers at Moses and say, I can't believe after all this you would do that. And yet how many times has our own voices inside of us know what God said and we still strike the rock over and over and over and over again? Because the reality is this, and we're going home. The delta between hearing and listening is value. Not valuing the knowledge being spoken, but valuing the one who is speaking. When I'm not listening to Danielle, I'm not valuing her. I know my inside could say, well, no, you're really just not valuing what she's saying. Nope, that's my soul justifying my actions. When I, am not va- when I am not listening to her, I am not valuing her. I'm not valuing the gift that she is to me, the blessing that God gave her to me to be. It, it, it's taking something that God has called special and treating it common. Come on, if I can value the money he brings me, but not the spouse he gave me, there's something very wrong inside of me. This is why God the Father constantly brings it back to intimacy with Jesus. Because we need to recognize and value the gift it is that the God of the universe actually wants to talk to us. Not just get us to heaven. Not just hear our praise. Not just hear our list of woes and do's and don'ts. He actually wants to talk. He wants to have a conversation. That's why the Father in Matthew Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration When Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up and shows them who he is, and Moses shows up on one side and Elijah shows up on the other, Jesus is transformed. 
and out of the cloud, this is beautiful, out of the cloud, where was the cloud before? At the tent of meeting. Out of the cloud comes a voice. This is my son. Listen to him. God had placed Moses, the word, on one side and Elijah, the spirit, on the other. And he said, in between these two things, you will find my son. But it is not just about the word and the spirit. It is about the person standing in the middle of these two things that I have made available to you. My friends, that's why we need some face time with Jesus. Do you remember after the pandemic, I don't know if you were like me, but after the pandemic, I got so excited when I got to see somebody's face. I was so tired of Zoom meetings. We still have them. I so tired of the masks and the mumbling that people, what'd you say again? What'd you say? The distant high fives. Because there's something valuable about being up close and personal with someone. It increases the value of them, not just the value of what they're saying. It's not enough to value the word of God. We have to value the person of God. Come on, if we can value the forgiveness and salvation he gives us, but not the time and the word he brings us, there's something very wrong inside of us. Psalm 46.10, be still. In the midst of all the noise, be still and know that I'm God. It's not just praying. Listen. Get a notebook. Write down what he's saying. Meditate on it day and night. Why do we write it down? Because the Bible says when you write down the word, the vision of God, come on, you can run with it. We meditate on it day and night. Why? Because when we meditate on what God's saying, we'll be successful and prosperous wherever we go. That's what the word says. What's the last thing he said to you? Are you listening to it? The truth is Moses led his people to wander in the wilderness all around the abundant life because they heard but wouldn't listen. But Joshua, who laid at the door of the tent of meeting, led his people into the promised land because he listened and didn't hear. And because he listened and didn't hear, he had victory after 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 victory. victory. What was the only difference? He listened and didn't hear. But you know, something popped out of me this week about this journey with him. What struck me is yet when Joshua got into the promised land, do you realize he didn't recognize Jesus in the promised land? Because the Bible says he has this encounter. With the commander of the Lord's army, which is also a theophany of Jesus. Jesus is in the promised land. He comes into contact with Jesus in the promised land, and he didn't recognize him. And I began to think about that. I'm like, man, maybe he didn't recognize him in the promised land because he hadn't been in the tent of meeting. He only listened from the outside. So he would be used to hearing his voice, but not recognizing him in the situation. Because that only comes from intimacy. And truthfully, my friends, so often I think we miss Jesus in the midst of our situation. 
And we simply fall back on the simple act of obedience to what was written about him rather than recognizing him in our situation so that we can join in him, join him in what he is doing, which then creates this overflow of joy, this overflow of love, this overflow of confidence in both us and in him with us. Verse 11 said, God spoke to Moses face to face as a brother would a friend. That's the joy for him to do this thing called life together. It's the difference between a believer and a disciple. Between getting a good word at church and learning to, li learning to live listening to the word in our daily lives. So are we hearing about him or listening to him? Face to face, no walls, no and, ifs, or buts. Only valuing the fact that we are being with the king. Hearing his voice and standing with him when he stands with us. My sheep listen to my voice. And out of that I know them. They know me. And they follow me. And they follow me. When I listen to him, I know him better. When I know him better, I follow him more completely. Are we hearing about the things of God? Or are we in the midst of the chaos and noise of this world? Listening. Let us just stop. I'm going to ask Chris, can you just come play for a moment? We're going to end service in a second. But it would be foolish to hear this and not take a moment to open up our ears. And there's no condemnation. I have not bought the eggs 938,000 times. I've missed, I've missed it when it's come to preaching. I've missed it when it's come to my relationship with Danielle. I've missed it when it's come to raising my son. I've missed it in my own life time and time again. But just like Samuel, after he missed it, the love of our God pushes him to keep speaking until we learn to discern the voice. Maybe today, something has stirred in you during this message. Take a moment. Get out your phone. Get out your notebook. Write it down. Even if it's just a word. Our New Year's Eve service here, we just had people come up and get words. And I don't know what my words were. I think about them every day. Because although they were picked out of a hat, I believe the Holy Spirit guided the picking of that moment. Because I know when I looked at that word, I went, oh my gosh, that is so what I need to hear from God. Listening turns my full attention to Him. Tells Him the 
that this conversation is not about the information he can download, but the intimacy that we can create. We're just going to take a moment. No worship, just Chris playing. For you to start talking and listening to God. Church, we just pray this with me. We say, Dear Lord Jesus, open my ears to hear your voice. Open my heart to know you better. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to listen this week. Drown out all the noise. Help me to focus on your word. Here I am, your servant. Speak to me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I know we have to end the service. So, I'm just going to end it. But what I'd like to do is, at the end of the service, we're going to leave some time and space around the altar or just here in your seats. Chris is going to play for a little bit. And if you just want to stay, if you want to get up from the seat that you've been in and go somewhere else, it's all right. If you want to walk around, it's good. Maybe you just want to hear from God a little bit more. That's the space that we're going to create. We love for you to talk with one another, and we don't want you to rush out. Certainly do that out in the lobby. There's enough space and beautiful thing out there, and it's fantastic to encourage one another and say, man, I'm so glad that word was for me, or man, I'm so glad God's been speaking to that to me. Those are those encouraging moments. 
together. We're going to give some space in here. Because what we cannot afford as we head into our future as men and women of God is to be content with someone else listening to God and bringing us the word. We need to be listeners and doers of his word. As you're going out now or later, I'm going to ask you to consider being a part of worshiping God with the giving of your offerings today. There's so many ways you can do it, and I know that we put it at the end of the service because it's an act of worship. It's not a throwaway moment for us. This is a moment of response. And on the screen, you'll find a bunch of ways that you can actually be a part of worshiping God with the giving of your offering. That QR code up there, you can find those all over the place. And by the way, if you want to sign up for Forge, which is our men's discipleship groups, or Shoulder to Shoulder, which is our ladies that meet every week as well, you can find out information there. You can always give with these envelopes and drop them in those gold kiosks on the way out. But I can't value my wife and not value the, the, my wife that God gave me and not value the money God gave me. Just like I can't value the money God gave me and not the wife God gave me. All of it, everything I do, is a way of praising Him. I'm just going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray over you. And then if you want to stay, let's stay for a little bit. If you want to fellowship, go fellowship. Oh, my God. Here we are, my God. Your people. Your people. Daddy, we don't want to be a generation. We don't want to be that Jeremiah generation that you call out to in the midst of our possession and prosperity and we will not listen. So God, open our ears and open our hearts. Stir up something inside of us, Lord God, that has not been there before. Reveal your word so deeply and openly to us that we are driven to your face. All we desire is more of you. Not better church services. Not cooler Christian sermons. Jesus, what we need is you. Only your word will help us stand. Only your word will give us life. Because we cannot eat from bread alone. But life comes from every word that proceeds from your mouth. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Go with God, and may he go with you every step and every day.
altar's open.